Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. this looking out the window to i guess it would be the north i still see a fairly steady stream of snow flurries i look out to the west i see tennebee's head in the foreground he's preparing for vikings football sunday and then in the background i see looks like more clouds and uh, snow flurries as well my kind of weather current temperature we're going to go with 37, Zach, does that sound about right to That's you? That's correct. 37 degrees today. Sunday Sermons. It's a one-hour edition of the program. First Nonami, clearly, right around the corner. My name is Dan Barrero. I occasionally host the program. We're delighted you chose to join us today for a, as I mentioned, one-hour show for the obvious reason that your Minnesota Vikings return to noon kickoff today. Noon kickoff hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Also, a reminder tonight, this is a prime, primetime matchup, 720 on the fan, Kansas City Chiefs at the the New England Patriots. So the, the moral here is for uh, football, pro football in particular, no need really to change the dial at all, all day. Vikings coverage begins at 10. Well, actually, it'll begin with us, and including uh, a visit with Ben Gessling who generally joins us on Friday. I was off Friday. Garzi was off Friday. H. Lake was in. So Ben Gessling will join us from, I'm assuming, the belly of the uh, Sally Field, as we now have called it, at U.S. Bank Stadium at about 9.30 this afternoon, or this morning, I should say, to give us a preview of what we might expect in what I have described as yet another loser-proof game for your Minnesota Vikings. I called it that when we took on or hosted the Buffalo Bills, we all know how that turned out, but I'm doubling down on it indeed today. We'll try to cover a couple of other subjects as well before this program is uh, wrapped up at uh, 10 o'clock, including your Minnesota Wild. I didn't see it, but I heard not particularly good things about it, especially as it pertains to the first two periods. We gave up, I think, a record-setting number of shots on goal, and um, there's a lot of fear and loathing in Minnesota Wildland, which is not to be confused with the fear and loathing related to the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. And um, maybe we'll talk uh, about some of the college football upsets that took place, in addition to talking about uh, Gophers 
versus Ohio State. Uh, the age-old question of whether the Gophers' performance, by the way, you can reach us via the usual methods. The Bradshaw and Bryant inbox has been uh, rebooted. It's open. Booth at KFAN.com. Booth at KFAN.com if you would like to say hello. And if you have any snowfall totals that you'd like to register officially, it's never too early for that. Let us know if you're getting a dusting, a coating, or even uh, more measurable snow. I think parts of northern Minnesota got, didn't they get like three to six inches of snow earlier in the week? Yeah, northern northern Minnesota got a couple at least. Okay, yeah. So uh, keep us posted on that. The phone numbers, 800-320-5326. That is a toll-free number, or 651-989-5326 as well. Either of those will indeed work. Um, The question, of course, is commemorative print-worthy, what the Golden Gophers did in Columbus against the Ohio State Buckeyes. I had uh, noted that the Strib was, in in chronicling a couple of, uh, well, aren't that many, uh, Gopher upsets over Ohio State. I think the first one they chronicled was 81, and the second one was uh, Glenn Mason's 29-17 victory in, what was that, 2000? Um, they mentioned that you know those teams faced similar odds as the Gophers who were playing yesterday faced, which isn't exactly true. I, I, I actually I don't know what the spread was in '81. I do know that when Glenn Mason took his team to Ohio State in 2000, we were double-digit underdogs, but it was like ten and a half, maybe eleven, depending on uh, which betting house you were involved in. Yesterday we were thirty. 29.5 to 30-point underdogs, which I guess is another way of saying if the Gophers had had managed to pull off the upset yesterday, it would have been a grander, more absurd upset than one Glenn, what Glenn Mason did. That Because that Gopher team, it was up and down that year. I think in the non-conference we lost Ohio, but that team had some ability to it. And it, it again, they followed the Ohio State victory, by going to Indiana and losing. So they were up and down, but that team had some pedigree to it, and at stretches had a really good defense. Had established a lot more than this team had established in the P.J. Flex second year. So if they if, if the Gophers had managed to pull off the upset, it would have been, I think, uh, it would have eclipsed pretty much any of the others because the expectation for this game was so incredibly low. And I was talking to Garzi before the uh, program began. There are indeed... I, I have a hard time going commemorative print. Even though I'll tell you, it, it is. it feels odd to say this, but it felt as if Ohio State needed the Golden Gophers to turn the ball over a couple times and to miss, how many field goals did we miss? I think it was three. One ship, 32-yarder, um, to give themselves breathing room. I mean, that in itself is rather stunning compared to, I think, what most of us expected in the game. On the other hand, is this, I'll ask Garzi this tomorrow. Is Ohio Is this Ohio State team a great, great Ohio State team? I know they can... Turn it on, you know, big plays in a minute. But 
the the pattern really the last two weeks in Columbus has 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 followed the same. It's gone the same. Indiana played around and scared Ohio State a little bit. I think it was an, a nine point game early in the fourth, something like thirty five twenty six. They weren't destroying them, and then Ohio State did uh, eventually kind of pull away even more than they did against the uh, the Gophers, and. I can't help but think, given what was happening at the line of scrimmage, you'll never have a better chance, ever, have a better chance maybe to knock off the Ohio State Buckeyes. They looked beatable. They looked, I don't know if they were bored. They looked, they did not overpower Minnesota at the line of scrimmage. And then you say, well, then take full advantage of the opportunity that is so rare to see a what looks to be like a beatable, occasionally bored Ohio State team, and you don't do that. When you don't know when you're going to get a second chance of that. That's why I can't I can't say it's commemorative print worthy. Sorry, I just can't do it. Um the other thing that that I I, I gotta tell you, man, I can't take anymore. As much as I said I, I, I like the running game. I like what we did to their running game. Although they were able to, you know, when they needed to pass the ball very effectively, um, I, I liked what we had with our receivers for most of the game. Our quarterback, I liked some of it, but he also made a couple of big mistakes, which we'll talk about later. What I can't countenance any longer, and what PJ Fleck has to stop doing. is ending every sentence of observation about this team by reminding us that how young they are. I can't I, I I'm sick of it. It doesn't prove anything. It's already been established and it is at some point becoming irrelevant. You chose for this team to be this young because you think it's part of the plan that will ultimately lead you to a better place. So if that's the case, stop bringing it up. Any other, even the hardcore Gopher fans, aren't they a little tired of it? Honestly. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, this is part of the way we think we have to do it. As if, by the way, we're the only team in the history of football building or rebuilding or retooling that has to go young. Glenn Mason said it. a lot of teams are going young at some key positions. So I was listening to the post game feeling pretty good, almost ready to moral victorize this one. And then I heard that again. And I heard some bristling about how many interceptions um Anikstead had. And he had two, I don't know if Garzi said three, I think Garzi was talking about turnovers, and the head coach was bitter about that. Second interception was a bad interception. We under And, and by the way, we know. He's a walk-on true freshman. We understand that as well. That's great. But you're still allowed to analyze. No one's saying that on the basis of the second interception, which was a bad one, and a key one, that you should cut this kid or that you can't continue to invest in him. But he's playing. You've decided to play him. You're allowed to analyze him. 
without anything, without having to get personal about him in any way, shape, or form. And color guy said it on the uh, TV broadcast. He never looked the safety off. He he looked left for that entire pattern, and it made it easy for the safety to come over and make a play on an overthrown ball. So by the end of that, I I I, I was that that's what made me uh, cranky was that we've already established how young you are. And, again, you wanted to do it this way. You felt like this was the only way you could do it. So stop obsessing over it. I wasn't doing the post-game deal with uh, with the head coach. That's what I would might have thrown in there when he was mad at Garzi for whatever transgressions that he might have been involved in. You're not the only young team in football history. And that's who you're playing. Those are the guys you're having out there. So once we've established that, let's move on to something else. Because every time you do it, don't lie about it. You're doing it to make an excuse. And I've said all along, I don't even think this season's about wins and losses. To me, this season is about progress. In that sense... You can certainly argue that progress was made. They were didn't in Columbus. They didn't get, as I said, they didn't get out. They didn't look like they were just um, out muscled at the line of scrimmage. They didn't look outclassed. Frankly, that in itself is 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 sign of progress. But the youth thing, man, that's that's you you charted these waters. So own them, and then don't cleverly put throw it in every time you want to remind people as if they were going to how could we forget that they're young it's impossible to forget they're young we're reminded of it of it every 13 seconds we know at some point don't you say that's what we are we've decided that's the way we have to go so we're going to we're, we're not going to talk about that anymore we're going to invest that's what we're doing we don't need to remind people every 14 seconds we're young we get it. It's a young team. Sunday Sermons on the Fan is brought to you by Discover St. Louis Park, Hudson Ford, and by Wild Bills. More with Dan Barrero next on the Fan. Some of those young players helped you play Ohio State a lot tougher than most people expected, right? So at some point, it's just be just analyze what we see. It's unspoken that they're well. It's not unspoken. It should be at this point that you know you've got a lot of young guys who are doing it, but presumably some of those guys helped you be in position to get Ohio State's attention to the point where they had to play well into the fourth quarter of another game at the Horseshoe. That, to me, is what the emphasis should be. Sunday Sermons, the name of the program, booth at KFN.com is the Bradshaw and Brian inbox. Jim writes, Fleck will stop bringing it up when the media stops ripping him for not winning. 
I'm not in the, I can't, all I can do is speak to what I discuss, okay? And I don't believe, I, I would say to Jim, let me know, please show me, in terms of media outlets, columnists, uh, writers, whatever, who've basically d- concluded already, after a year and a half, that Fleck is inept or is not up to the job or should be fired. It hasn't happened, Jim. It really hasn't. Now, does for, given his approach, is he going to be dismissed too easily on that basis by some people? Yeah, probably. But I, I don't think anybody, or as you say anybody, very few among mainstreamers have said, it's over. This is not the guy. It's a joke. It's awful. We've, we've chronicled, like last week at this, at this same time, we were talking about you're giving up 40 points a game. That's not going to work. Your defense was supposed to be, by the way, isn't as young as your offense, and that won't work going back to the last two Big Ten games last year. You're still allowed to analyze. I, I, Garzian had a long conversation about this in the middle, it might have been early last week, might have been last Monday when we weren't talking about the uh, Vikings, that he's got to get, he, he, he needs four years before I think you can fairly, really get a good evaluation. I think most reasonable people get that. If the owner, what, you, what anybody who coaches here has to understand, whether it's fair or not, fairness has nothing to do with it. The, whoever is the current coach, sadly, is inheriting the baggage of the last ten. That's just, and that's unfair, you could say, because you could say, well, he's got nothing to do with what several other coaches did. But that's the way it works in sports, and that's what he has to understand and accept, uh, or not take this sort of job. That's sort of part of the nature of this job. People are not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're They're going to act as if, it's a same if you lose again and again against the same old story, even if the losing is different, even if there is a feeling that it might you might be leading to something a little bit better. That's just the nature of it. But I don't think there's been this groundswell of media outlets basically saying uh he's proven already that he's not up to this particular job. There may be some fans out there who feel that way. I'm not ready to say that yet. That's still not the same thing as saying we can't analyze what we see and react to what we see and the good and the bad. But I've felt all along that if I've learned nothing in the 30-plus years I've lived here, I've learned that as easy and cool and fun as it is to drop the hammer on whoever's coaching football here, say, get him out, not up to it, let's get the next guy, that that feels good for about 15 minutes. And the next guy, before you get him, that concept is wonderful because he's got no warts. Because he hasn't got here yet. You don't even know who he is. So it's the feeling is, well, that's got to be better. And we've gone through this enough to know, I think, to know that that game really isn't very successful. Now, if the, the head coach is as much of a clown as Tim Brewster was as head coach, in that case, I'd have said he probably deserved about 15 minutes. He didn't even deserve the job. 
But Fleck has been a head coach, not at this level, and that's Mason and I have talked about this for years. That's going to be the test. He turned around, a, legitimately turned around a program in a big-time way. But can he do it again at this level? It's not automatic. We don't know. We can't be sure of that. But as far as I'm concerned, he took away from a commendable performance yesterday by continuing to double down on almost like saying, well, if we weren't this young, maybe we would have won. We don't even know that that's true. We don't even know if Ohio State might have played differently under those conditions. And in the end, Ohio State pulled away. So let let it be. These are your guys. These are the guys you've decided to go to. I won't want to say war because I hate that term with football, but but you know to toil with, and presumably because you think they have talent. You've said that your freshman class has talent. So if you have talent, you can't have it both ways. Allegedly, you're playing them because they have that talent, and then the moment they screw up, then it's well they're all they're 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 also young. It just gets it. It takes away, I think, from even if it's not commemorative print worthy. Because as I said, I don't think you're ever going to have a better chance to beat Ohio State. Take a sign, a measure of progress that you were going toe to toe with them through really into the fourth quarter, and you can argue now. I mean, Garzi got his head cut off again because he mentioned that in the second half, you know, he said they didn't finish drives and. And the coach was bitter because he mentioned, well, we missed field goals. Well, that's true, but you can. the truth of the matter is if you're going to beat Ohio State there, you're going to have to keep scoring touchdowns because eventually they're going to score. Even in a day where you feel pretty good about what you did defensively, what they end up with? 30. So eventually you're, you, you do have to keep scoring touchdowns. It's, it may be unfair, but that's kind of the, the, uh, the reality of it. And you can't turn the ball over. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about the uh, – the Johnson fumble, I thought that was a perfectly legit call. I had no difficulty with that call. None whatsoever. A uh, couple of steps, and then he goes down. I've seen it called the other way, and it was unfortunate, the timing of it, given the position that the team was in at that point. It looked like they were going to go in again. Uh, the the spot on the fourth down play was bad, I think. I mean, I think it was closer than people are suggesting, uh, but I don't think that's what uh, turned around the... Uh, the game. If you're if you're in that, if you're playing the the bit, we've all done it. I've done it for 25 years on the radio. Of the, it's rigged and we can't get a break and we all have fun with that kind of stuff. That's not why uh, uh, the Gophers lost. And and commendably, I don't think there was anybody um, in the Gopher locker room who was suggesting it either. Um, we got phone calls to get to, but I got to get to I got to get a break in now because we got Ben Gessling to just switch the subject to your Minnesota Vikings. A rather large game today, hosting the Arizona Cardinals, who once upon a time started Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford, I think, I don't even know if he made the trip. That's how how how, how low he's been demoted. But we'll get Gessling's view on what we might expect in this game, if there's any chance that um, this could be Buffalo Bills-like, because I don't think it's going to be, and I don't think he does either. But we'll discuss all of that and maybe even get to some breaking news. Stay tuned. Friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters, this is Sunday Sermons with Dan Barrero on the fan. Can I get an amen?
before we uh, check in with Ben Gessling, a bit of uh, breaking news offered up by uh, Darren Wolfson, KSTP-TV. He has tweeted that he received a tip that Gopher running back Shannon Brooks was arrested. He also uh, includes the jail roster listing, which would indicate a charge of domestic assault. No details available right now. Uh, I'd heard that there was a good chance that Brooks originally had been, uh, uh, that the idea was maybe he would play for the first time this season again at Nebraska. That's the that's the uh, Gophers' next game. But the very sobering news regarding uh, Gopher running back Shannon Brooks apparently arrested on a, a domestic assault a charge booked in the Hennepin County Jail as well. If we get more details on that, we will indeed let you know. Ben Gessling is on the Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care Hotline. Football definitely in the air. A solid snow showers outside. Are you already in the People Stadium, or are you on your way? I am. I am in the People Stadium. Uh, very much looking forward to the uh, Defend the North uh, <laughs> pregame programming from the the friendly climate controlled confines of U.S. Bank. Stadium. So is this is this uh, does this make it official that the doors, the big giant doors, are not going to be open for this game? I would assume that that is the case, yeah. yes, especially if the wind is blowing into the stadium. I can't remember which way it was blowing this morning. It probably would not uh, have the vibe of, of indoor football and, and comfort conditions that you're looking for if you have snow blowing into the stadium. It yeah. probably feel a little bit too much like TCF. It would, I would, yeah, as a throwback, I'd kind of like it, but, of course, I don't have to uh, play in it and I don't have to spectate in it either, either one. Um, all right, here we go. We've got, uh, obviously, everybody uh, concerned that um, we can't take this for granted because we, we remember what happened against Buffalo. Uh, th- th- let's do a, just a flat-out compare and contrast. Compare the Buffalo the, the condition of the Buffalo Bills when we played them at, with the current condition of the Arizona Cardinals, the team we are hosting this afternoon. Well, I think the Cardinals certainly have more weapons on offense than the Bills did. I mean, you have a rookie quarterback in both cases, but, uh, you know, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, some of the vertical threats the Cardinals have. Josh Rosen has more to work with than Josh Allen did. I think the Cardinals will be down a couple guys on their offensive line today, including, uh, possibly former Viking Andre Smith, but, uh, you know, it's, it's an aggressive defense the Cardinals have and, and still have some playmakers over there with Chandler Jones, certainly, and, and Patrick Peterson. So there's more talent probably on this team. I, I guess the, the thing that I feel like is different is Josh Rosen has not looked as good as, as we saw Josh Allen look that day. Yeah. You know, Josh Allen's had a lot of bad games since then as well, and that might have just been a he, – he caught them in a good moment and, and caught them uh, with some, some schematic things that worked against the Vikings' defense, but uh, – I mean, Josh Allen that day was the difference. Whether Josh Rosen is up to that challenge today will be the the question of whether the Cardinals can make this competitive, like or pull an upset like the Bills did. I, I guess I would that would be where I would tend to have some questions is whether Josh Rosen is uh, up to what Josh Allen did a few weeks ago. So Bradford, who was the starter at the start of the season, he's gone from starter to basically is even in even in the building. What 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 caused that the, the uh, we all knew they drafted Rosen to play him obviously, but what. What prompted his sort of fall from whatever grace he might have had? As far as I can tell, this is a as purely naked and cynical a money grab as there can be. He's got like I think it's like three hundred thousand a game wrapped up in roster bonuses mm. if he is on the forty six right. man active roster. So 
they are 100% doing this to save money. And, and I, I guess you give them credit for saying, I mean, I don't think they're saying it publicly, but I, I think everybody can tell what the, the point of the move is. I guess you give them credit for saying, Hey, uh, if you're not going to play, we're going to, we're going to save the money. If you're not going to be a factor, why should we pay it? But, uh, uh, that, that seems to be the, the logic behind it. I think Sam Bradford will be okay though. He's, he's made a few dollars in his yeah. NFL career. So I think, I don't think we need to no. uh, pass the plate for him or anything. That's probably, uh, that's, that's, that's no doubt true. All right. So it appears it looks like Reef is out. And that means Rashad Hill again moves from the right side to the left side. It, it, it sounded as if Zim felt like he actually played better on the left side last week than on the right. But he has, as you point out in your uh, preview today, a fairly significant Hill has a fairly significant challenge facing Chandler Jones. Uh, how's that going to go? Well, I think that's going to be one of the tales of the game because Chandler Jones has been as prolific a pass rusher in the last few years as as anybody in the league in terms of at 17 sacks last year. I think he's got something like you know north of 50 in the last three or four years. So he's a guy that that has proved it now for a long time, and and that is I'll be curious to see how they play it today because I mean they did a good job last week of trying to get the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands on some play action and, and get him out of the pocket, moving him around. I mean, they, they know that they have to do some things to mitigate some of their offensive line issues. You've, you've seen John DiFilippo plan that way, both in the running game and the passing game, and I think they'll have to do some of that again today. But there are going to be moments where Rashad Hill has to be on Chandler Jones without a lot of help. I mean, there, there's certainly going to be moments like that today, and, and that's uh, that's kind of one of the things I'm curious to watch because Riley Reef has struggled yeah. in recent weeks with that foot injury, especially against some of these speed rushers. But, uh, you know, Rashad Hill against speed rushers, and we saw it against the Rams, and he has had trouble in those matchups at times, and and uh, that's going to be a tough challenge for him today against Chandler Jones, for sure. You mentioned uh, Cook will be back, but he's on a 20-25 play pitch count. And for the record... I'm not anti-pitch count. I'm the guy uh, saying that the people who get bitter that, well, it's really not, you know, it's not baseball, it's football, might be uh, a little too literal. So I've actually been in the camp that says pitch count's fine. Everybody understands it knows exactly what it means. So the tweeter who tried to get you going at my expense, no, I'm on your side on it. I don't really think it's that big of a distinction. But Cook, I mean... It's interesting to me, again, that that's what he's on. Is there any belief that the Vikings would be better served sitting him until the game where we can just play him the regular way we want to play him, or does it not work that way in the National Football League? Well, I, I think that's I think you hit on it there that it, it probably doesn't work that way all the time. I mean, he talked on Friday about you know it doesn't do me a lot of good to go out there at seventy or eighty percent if I can't be better than somebody else at a hundred percent. And and part of the reality may be that him at seventy or eighty percent is still better than than a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of running backs in the league and probably a lot of options they have, especially as a receiver. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably part of the thinking there is trying to get him involved in the passing game as much as anything else. But, I mean, you could, you could make the argument that you can wait until he is completely healthy, but with hamstrings, it's hard to know when that's going to be. Those yeah. things are, are awfully tricky and they can linger for a long time. And, and if, if you can get something out of him in the meantime until that thing, Heals up completely. That you know that appears to be their approach, and and I, I do think it'll be you know I, yeah like I say like I tweeted last night it, I think it you know twenty to twenty five plays is is kind of what they're talking about. So that probably means you know eight to ten touches, and you know maybe you know who knows maybe a couple more than that depending on the flow of the game. But it, it's not going to be 
a full day for him. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, we're still kind of waiting for that day. And, and yeah, I, I thought you were not anti-pitch count. No. I think I heard you talking about that yeah. last week. That yeah. We all know what it means. And, yeah, people people were uh, touchy about that one last night. Said, yeah. Why are you saying pitch count? It, it, there's a perfectly good phrase for it in football. It's like, yeah. I'm saying it because I want to. Deal yeah, that's it. it, and I and you have to deal with it. And that it, we're just we're just it's a daily reminder of uh, that the we were all none of us we're all rippable on it though because uh, once you're on Twitter and once you go at it everything everybody gets mad about everything so I guess we shouldn't necessarily <laughs> yep. be surprised that they that would I get out, my nose out of joint and stuff even less significant so I guess I shouldn't be surprised that someone else might as well. Um, in terms of, you know, this is a very aggressive Arizona defense, right, as I understand it. So what are you hearing? Does that mean we think we got to do a lot of safety first stuff or we think we can burn this, this, you know, this, this, this de- a very aggressive defense with some major things down the field? Well, I think play action is probably the key to some of it. They, they've used a lot of that, and I think we'll see more of it today. And, and the thing that John DiFilippo and Mike Zimmer have both talked about on play action is a lot of times when you do that, you have seven guys in protection because you're initially trying to sell the run. It, it doesn't work terribly well if you have four guys out on a route on what is supposed to be a running play. So you can kind of have the best of both worlds there that you may be able to keep defenders from, from coming up field quite as quickly, and you can also keep a couple guys in protection for when they do realize it's a pass. So I, I think play action will certainly be part of it again. If they can get Dalvin Cook involved in the passing game, that's certainly a way to, to use aggressiveness against people. And, and uh, some of the runs they ran to the outside, I think you'll, you'll probably see a little bit more of that today. Some of the moving pocket stuff they've done, bootlegs with Kirk Cousins. I mean, all of that is going to be, I think, part of the menu today as they as they try to slow this team down. But, you know, it, it, the, the key, I think, is going to be, like we talked about, if in those moments where Rashad Hill has to be matched up on Chandler Jones, can he hold up? And and what does Patrick Peterson do? They have not used him shadowing one receiver at all this year, and they've done a lot of that in the past. And you know, I would assume he'll see a lot of Stephon Diggs based on where he's played. And you know, do you go at him or right. do you try to stay away from him? That's going to be a factor as well. What do we? It, it, I, this I believe is Fitz, uh, Larry Fitzgerald's f- uh, final year of his deal, and uh, I think there's a lot of us. He's 35. Assumption that this is going to be it. Um, what are we hearing? Is this is this likely the last time we'll see uh, Fitzy in a National Football League game in Minnesota? Well, I, I would think that you'd have to bet on that. I mean, he has talked about he doesn't want to play for anybody but the Cardinals and with his contract being up. You know, that's obviously not a team that is, is ready to, to win right now. Things can change quickly in the NFL, of course, but when you've got a rookie quarterback, a new head coach, it would not seem like the type of situation where you're saying, okay, I'm going to take one more shot because this team's ready to win a Super Bowl. So, I would tend to think that, you know, I mean, you'll have to see how the scheduling obviously works out for next year. They're, they're, well, I think they would go out to the NFC West next year, so I, I don't think the Cardinals would be coming here. So he'd have yeah, to play right. more than a year. But, yeah, I, I would think if, if you want to see Larry Fitzgerald in Minnesota today, is, uh, I, I, would, I would take a, a long look because this very well could be it. You know, the, uh, the Bears, is broadening the subject to the, to the division, the Bears are in Miami today, and I, I had viewed this. A lot of people have decided the Bears are back, and look, the defense is obviously very good. Uh, the offense took four steps forward their last game before the bye, but it looked like Tampa was not even trying defensively. And I said, well, this is a good, this will be a good test. Miami's not a great team, but i got to see more from the Bears if they can win this kind of game. And I wasn't necessarily convinced that they would. Now I guess the word comes out that it looks like Ryan Tannehill's not going to start 
uh, which I think uh, gives the Bears uh, faithful a much better chance that they're going to win. But to me, I don't know, how, how do you view the Bears in this division? Have you seen enough already to say, yeah, now you got to change all the parameters, that it's not just Vikings-Packers, but you got to mix these guys in, or do you need to see more, especially on the road, one could say, from the Bears before you say, yeah, they're, they're, they're for real? I would like to see more from them, I think, especially Mitch Trubisky. Can he have a stretch of six or seven games where he looks functional and he looks like a, a yeah. quarterback that can get you where you want to go? I will say I I do think, especially with the Vikings and Packers having lost some games earlier that you thought they would have won, and, and they're not looking like they're going to have those, you know, that one of them is going to run away and have 12 or 13 wins. The Bears hanging around and possibly stealing a game here or there can be enough of a factor to at least muddy the waters between the two teams that you figure are going to be there at the end. And, and if things get muddy enough, I mean, maybe the Bears are in the mix and it's it's the kind of thing where nine or ten wins would take the division. I mean, we're you know we're a long way from that. I think it'll it'll ultimately depend on whether the Vikings or Packers hit their stride here. But uh, if the Bears are able to, to stack up some wins and and possibly you know I, I think. Certainly at Soldier Field, beating you know the Vikings or the Packers there is is something that that could be in play, and you know maybe they're enough of a factor that way to to make the division race at least a little more complicated. The uh, the key here is obviously no hiccups the next two weeks, right? Between this game and the Jets, that's that that there's no we have been through this before, and so given the rest of the schedule, which is certainly not as daunting as it was, you could say for the first five games, uh, don't mess around with these next two opponents, correct? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you got the Saints coming in here after the Cardinals and Jets on a Sunday night. That certainly will be a, an emotional game yeah. and certainly a, a tough challenge for a team that uh, is, has been burned by you know quarterbacks not of, of Drew Brees' renown this year. So you have that, and then you have the Lions uh, at home, and they've had a lot of trouble with the Lions over the years before the bye. So. You, you try to take care of these next two that gets you a couple games over 500, and then you know you. you I hope you with two home games there that that helps you kind of get on a little bit of a roll going to the bye. But this is not the time to be kind of spinning your wheels. I mean, this is a chance to to get some momentum with with two rookie quarterbacks in the next few in the next two weeks and kind of get your defense back to where it's been. And yeah, it's important I think as much as anything, win some games and, and get your confidence, get your rhythm back to where it was before the schedule gets a little tougher. Final question. You guys had a piece um, in today's Star Tribune on uh, the me- the issue of mental health in, 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 in football, pro football, yeah. etc., and efforts being made more generally, um, as also as they pertain to Everson Griffin. Are we are we any place different? Do we know any more? Uh, do you feel like you know any more than you did a week or two ago in terms of where he's at in this uh, this discussion? Because I, you know, I mentioned on air the other day, there's always this assumption that it's not helpful for someone to get back to their job, whether it's football or an office or whatever, when they're going through this. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily what the what the clinicians say. That there may be a point where actually that can be therapeutic or can have be a good thing for someone to to bring some normalcy back as they continue to work with these issues. How does that pertain to Griffin, based on what you're hearing? Well, I, I from what I've heard, I, I mean, I do know that. You know, football is is on his mind, and it's not something that's like, okay, we'll worry about that years down right. the road, and and we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. I, I don't I don't think it's that at all, but I, I do think the the focus is getting him to a point where when you come back, I mean, playing football certainly is is part of being in the NFL, but 
as uh, as Joe Christensen's story talked about, I think, and as you know, I had a couple conversations with with Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, who both do charity work that revolves around some mental health stuff. Just about there, I mean, there's a lot involved in playing in the NFL that takes a toll on your mental health. That isn't just X's and O's on the field. I mean, the the pressure of of trying to perform at a high level, the the, the criticism you get on social media as soon as you ha- you make one mistake. You know, the, the the feeling that everybody's kind of there's some, always somebody kind of coming after you to, to take your job. I mean, a lot of that stuff is something that you know puts guys through the ringer. And I think some of what they are trying to figure out is okay when you get back, how do we make it so that it's not just you know you have a, a stretch here where everything works and then you kind of at some point have issues again. Let's let's try to make things sustainable and make yeah. it so that you're healthy and able to manage all of what goes into playing in the NFL, not just the football side of things. I, you know, what the timetable is for that, I think is still up in the air, but uh, I, I think he's, he's hoping to get back at some point based on what I've heard. It's just, it's tricky when you, you consider all of the factors involved. All right. I expect a really good gamer today, even if the game itself might be snooze like it's your job, it's your challenge to still make it compelling, readable and interesting. I think you're up to it. Well, if, uh, if you can send me the, uh, email address of people who run America's Best Sports Writing. Um, yeah, there you you go. Know, that, that, that'd be good to know because I, I think they'll be uh, probably getting a submission from me later today. Outstanding. Thank you, sir. We'll uh, chat next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. Ben Gessling from Sally Field at U.S. Bank Stadium where the uh, Vikings are preparing for a noon start against the Arizona Cardinals. Noon start Arizona. Don't forget, also on the fan, Casey at New England tonight at uh, 720. Bradshaw and Brian inbox open, booth at KFN.com. We've got a couple minutes left here on sermons before we turn it over to the uh, Vikings Football Sunday crew. It is, um, I mean, it's like a hard snow flurry outside now. I mean, this yeah. is like snow showers, I guess is what they call them, right? It's serious. I don't think anything's sticking, is it? It can't be. Was it supposed to? Were we supposed to even get this? I, I don't know about, I didn't, they said flurries, not a full-on Blizzard. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. A lot of emails. Oh, by the way, uh, Philip writing, St. Michael Snow. Heading to the grocery store for more flour. Pancake mix is low. It's snowing in St. Michael. Uh, Jim writes, I'm a huge Wild fan, and the Wild are so much more rippable. Team needs to be imploded and start over building a young, fast team. Uh, good points on the Gophers, I agree. He needs four to five years. Another backup place kicker. And I'm impressed with Flex Devotion, turning them all into great young men. Um, again, if you have not uh, heard the news uh, that was broken, I believe, by uh, uh, former KFN alum uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5, he has tweeted out a uh, really a copy of an arrest report of a booking at Hennepin County Jail that indicates that uh, Shannon Brooks, go for running back, was arrested for domestic assault. And we don't have any more details that I'm aware of at this point regarding this story. Um, a what sounds like a very serious one. Of course, Brooks was the plan was that Brooks was going to play. He could play four games this season, right? Um, and still and still gain another year. And I believe the plan might have been to have his 2018 debut be in Lincoln next uh, Saturday. That obviously uh, would I, I would assume would be completely changed at this point, barring or depending on what details we get on this particular story. So stay tuned for more on that. If not over the course of the day, then uh, certainly early next week as uh, as well. I'm not going to be able to get to all the other emails. 
lot of snow co- uh, totals. I don't think any more than uh, a dusting. I think dusting is the greatest amount we have been able to find so far. But um, we appreciate all those submissions. Um, Vikings football Sunday, as I said, is coming up next. Common and I will be back, I think, about 1045 for our bit. And then I'm back tomorrow with Garzi on the Bumper to Bumper beginning at 3 o'clock. Ben Lieber will be among our guests. We'll talk then. Enjoy your uh, football Sunday here on The Fan. Sermons brought to you by Youngsteads, Surf Pro, and by Carrie Limo. Vikings Football Sunday is next on the fan.